0: here. We are starting a new teaching series through the book of Samuel. A few weeks ago, um, Pastor Rick and uh, Jason, I met with Mark Hagen, who is one of the directors at the Harbour, or what used to be Dutch Harbour, now called the Harbour at Ryendale. And we were just in here talking and praying together, and at one point we were talking about what are we thinking about teaching, in terms of what's coming up, wrapping up series. And Mark was like, oh, guys, like, how do, you, how do you decide on what to teach on? I've always wondered that when I've gone to churches and I see teaching series and six-week series and 20-week series and this emphasis. Like, of all the things that you could talk about, how do you land on that? And for me, it was a, it was a little strange because the process has become so second nature that it was difficult for me to identify it and break it down into its steps. It's kind of something that I live. And I said, well... Um, there's definitely a lot of things that go into deciding what to teach on. Um, you always kind of look at current events, what's dominating the, the news space and the headspace of people, what are people talking about online and in person. Uh, another factor is what are the pressing pastoral issues that people are facing? Um, those might be issues that come to you from the broader community, but often it comes up through the church. You, you, you are, learn to be attentive as a pastor when certain patterns within individuals' lives, marriages, families, relationship to work, as those begin to bubble up, taking that into account, certainly for months, certainly weeks, if not months, before a new series begins, you sort of begin to prioritize a time of prayer and just trying to be quiet like Rick was teaching us to do and really get clear and sort of say, God, if there's something that you want to put on my heart, then you know, I'm I'm all ears. And and then I had to be honest and say, well, another huge factor is what's on sale at (laughs) CheapSermons.com. That is, those are kind of different layers of preparation that I use. Carrie, you laughed a little bit too loud at that. (laughs) I'm not going to lie to you. I know I'm not like the Neiman Marcus of preachers, but I'm not like the giant tiger either. Like you know, come on. Do you guys Giant Tiger? Giant Tiger fans, put your hands. God, for real. Thank, thank you. What is it? GT Boutique. It's amazing. It's like this. Ama- um, well, it's like a department store. There is one I think in further west than us, but it's it's amazing. It just sells everything in really strange ways. But I was opposed to Giant Tiger because when I was like 10, 11, 12, I would go to Perth, Ontario, from Kingston, to spend a summer with my grandmother for swimming lessons. And the two awesome rewards that I got from that were Dairy Queen after every swimming lesson, and then once I got, like, a little allowance for being, like, a cute little grandson, I would go to Giant Tiger because it had, like, a really fun toy section, right, beside, like, beans and instant noodles. So Giant Tiger's awesome. Go look it up. It started uh, the... um, The not-so-subtle disparagement of calling it GT Boutique, they actually ran with it. So the website for Giant Tiger is gtboutique.com. It's hilarious and awesome. Um, All jokes aside, uh, landing on a series isn't straightforward. Uh, There are lots of factors that come into play, but it's always an exciting time as you begin to pull together as a pastor what... You really sense God leading you through personally, and you want to share that with people around you. Um, and especially if you're thinking about a longer series, and this series is shaping up to be lengthy. I don't know if you've sort of done a bit of a spoiler alert and looked in your Bible, or if you're familiar with your Bible. The book of First Samuel is 31 chapters long, which means if we go at a clip of a chapter of week, which is what I'm aiming to do, it'll take 31 weeks, but even then you'd only get half of the story because there's a book called Second Samuel and it's 24 chapters long. So at a pace of one chapter a week, it would take us over a year. And the reason why there's a 1 and 2 Samuel is because uh, ancient books like this used to be written on scrolls and the scrolls came to be so large that they couldn't fit the entire book on one scroll. So they had to use kind of part two, the, the second scroll in this story. And I know that for any of you under the age of probably 25, you don't remember this, but I can remember when you bought, let's say an audio Bible, but it was like 36 CDs, right? Or you bought certain length of movies and it came with multiple DVDs because they couldn't fit all the information on one thing. And so it wasn't like going into your phone and saying, I want to jump from 1 Samuel to the book of Revelation to the gospel of Mark. You were like, open it up, find the CD, pop it in, forward button to the chapter. And that's kind of like what it was like way back in the day in ancient times. They had these huge scrolls, but at some point they became so big you couldn't actually unroll them. And it was so laborious to be like, let's go to this story in Samuel and you're unrolling the scroll, unrolling the scroll. You got to find that the other guy's rolling it up. So 1st, 2nd Samuel, it's a long book. And whenever long and history books of the Old Testament come up, I know there's a certain amount of people whose eyes just kind of glaze over. And I'll give voice to the question some of you are probably asking right now. Is 1st and 2nd Samuel worth that kind of investment of time? And aren't we going to get tired of it? Aren't we going to get bored of it? And I want to say it's absolutely worth your time and investment, and you are not going to get bored of it, and here's why. Because over these many, many chapters, this history book from the Old Testament is full of stories that force you to think about the most important topics in life. Faith, betrayal, success, failure, disappointment with God, healthy versus toxic leadership, the importance of emotional wellness, sexual temptation, dysfunction within family systems, the different ways that abuses of power can manifest in your life, the nature of friendship, grief, jealousy, and how God offers hope and help in the midst of all of those realities. It's a book that has become increasingly meaningful for me, and honestly, I I can't imagine a person who wouldn't be (laughs) Uh, who wouldn't benefit massively from it, from reading it, from studying it, from pondering its stories? And that, that cuts across whether or not you consider yourself a person of faith or not. This is a book of history which is powerful and rich and relevant. Now, let's, let's deal with some of those speed bumps that occur when you hear, right, history book of the Old Testament. First of all, let's deal with the fact that First and Second Samuel, again, is one historical book from the Old Testament. Um, modern people sometimes think of the Bible as one book. It's called the Bible, which means the book. But it's actually a collection of books. And so it's better to think of the Bible more like God's library because in a library you recognize there are different types of books and the types of books shapes how you read and apply that book, right? You wouldn't pick up a book of poetry and read it as if it was a direct instruction self-help book. You would understand that the genre of the book changes how you engage it and how you apply it. In the Old Testament, there are 39 books. I've highlighted where First and Second Samuel come in. Genesis is the start. And if you just go down that left column, uh, those first books all the way down to Esther, that's the whole plot line of the whole Old Testament. That's the whole thing. Every other book are sort of like zoom in books that, um, go into greater detail around things that were happening along that timeline. And the history books are about the history of Israel. They teach us about God delivering his people out of Egypt, bringing them to a promised land, how that happened, how they get established in the land. First and second Samuel deals with the rise of the monarchy in Israel, why and how Israel gets a king. And then the books of uh, Ezra and Nehemiah and Esther uh, kind of round out the Old Testament story with Israel's captivity and exile in Babylon, their release from it, and then their return to Jerusalem and the rebuilding of the temple. And overall, those history books span about 600 years, from 1100 B.C. to about 500 B.C. Uh, So again, these are historical books that are telling us things that actually happened, not that by the end, not that far removed from when Jesus comes on the scene, just 500 years. And speaking of Jesus, it's important to mention that these are books which point us and lead us towards Jesus. The next trigger you can hear, you hear about the fact that we're going to study a historical book from the Old Testament, as you might hear, Old Testament. And depending on the church culture that you were raised in, Old Testament is synonymous with dusty, dry, kind of irrelevant. It's old, therefore it's outdated. Let's get on to the New Testament and the new stuff. And that's really not a healthy way to understand what's happening in the Old Testament. The entire biblical story is essentially built around Jesus. The Old Testament are the things, the events, the people that happened leading up to Jesus, paving the way to Jesus. Then you have the Gospels, which are the life and ministry and death and resurrection of Jesus. Then everything after the Gospels is... Well, in light of the fact that Jesus has come, that God has revealed himself in this way, how should we live? And so we have some history books and some instruction books in the New Testament, but it's all about Jesus. And so when we're studying any book in the Old Testament, it helps us answer the question, what makes Jesus so important? Like, what's the big deal? It's difficult to answer that question if you have a very, very vague, low-resolution picture of the Old Testament, or at least its major story beats, the more you study the Old Testament and connect it to your life and to the life and ministry of Jesus, you begin to realize, oh, wow, the lights are starting to come on. Now I see why Christians around the world talk about living a Christ-centered life, why we celebrate and worship Jesus, but we don't worship uh, anyone else now I'm beginning to realize why Jesus is such a big deal. And I get the hesitancy to dive into an Old Testament book because there are Old Testament books that are strange and complex and the cultural distance between them and us makes it very difficult for us to read. But First and 2 Samuel aren't, aren't those kind of books. These books contain some of the most famous stories in the Bible, like David and Goliath. And It's a form of narrative history, which means it tells stories of historical events and people. It's not just a cold, lifeless listing of on this date, these people were here, they did this, next. This date, these people. We're not trying to memorize dates and facts. It's a story that pulsates with life, the individual stories, and then the larger story that as you begin to pull back and see what's happening and what God is doing, you're like, whoa, this is amazing, there's lots of drama and intrigue and inspiration. Anybody a fan of the series The Crown here? Yeah? Yeah? The Crown's a historical drama, and it's it covers the reign of Queen Elizabeth II, and the series follows Queen Elizabeth II's reign and the events that shaped the second half of the 20th century. It's been uh, really received... Uh, it's incredibly popular because it's not just a cold history, it's a narrative history of the formative periods and events and conversations that shaped not only Queen, Victoria, Queen Elizabeth's reign, but had a wake of effects for the world. And through these stories, you get an insider's perspective into what royal life is like and also into the burdens that come from wearing the crown. Right? You heard that saying, heavy is the head that wears the crown. This show kind of gives you an up-close, behind-the-scenes sneak peek into why that's the case. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. That's a good summation of 1 Samuel. And so many of the stories point to that truth. Now, I'm very aware that for a lot of us, the study of history, right, that can be another trigger word in all of this. We're going to study a book from the Old Testament of, that is a historical book. And maybe our association in school with history is just a slog of dates and events. It doesn't really feel disconnected to my life, and I certainly have no idea how it could possibly apply to my faith today. But it's not meant to be that way. Certainly the historical books of the Old Testament In the book of Romans, Paul is writing to an early group of Christians in Rome, and he says, speaking about the Old Testament, he says, everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Paul says this wasn't just written to the Jewish people, to the Jewish nation. God also intended it to be used in our lives as the church even after Jesus has come on the scene. We don't discard these things. We learn from them. He says, this is a source of knowledge and power for you as a modern Christian. In 1 Corinthians 10.6, Paul says, now these things occurred in the Old Testament as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did, speaking of some of the Israelites. So the summation of these two instructions are that everything that was written in the past All of this history, God has organized it so that you can grow in endurance, in encouragement, in hope, and not setting your heart on evil things, which demands both discernment and wisdom. So Paul says to Christians, you should study Old Testament history books because through them you will learn a particular kind of endurance, encouragement, hope, discernment, and wisdom. And I don't know anybody in this room right now who couldn't use more of those things in their life. I certainly could. Endurance, encouragement, hope, discernment, and wisdom. And then applying it to our current context and situation. So you might be asking, what can I expect from this series? That's important to be asking. What can you expect? What difference is this series going to make? Let me highlight a few things for you. If you choose to track through this series, you're going to learn more about God because history is about God. History is the disclosure of God's work, working in and through nations and people. You're going to learn and see and observe how God acted and uh, why he did, how God moved. And you're going to learn about his character and his ways as you do that. And you're going to learn about your own character and your own ways. Ecclesiastes 1.9 says there's nothing new under the sun. Romans 3 says everybody has sinned. No one can posture as if they're not touched by self-absorption and idolatry. And in Judges 21 says, in a summation of the Jewish people at the time, it says everybody did what was right in their own eyes. And so part of why we study these books is that they hold up a mirror to us. And where we might be tempted to think, oh, if we were in that situation, we would have made a way godlier, way better, way healthier choice. These narratives present us with people like David, who we might expect to be progressively faithful to God and make catastrophic errors and the consequences that come from that. And that can humble us to a greater and deeper reliance on God. If you study through this series, you're going to get these illustrations that come out of these stories of a real God working in the lives of real people in their very very messy lives and situations and that's going to give you encouragement it's going to teach you how to walk in holiness before God not just as a concept but what does it look like to honor God with all of your life these stories begin to build that picture so that you're like oh I I see it like I, I got the concept but I didn't really understand how that related to my marriage, or my workspace, or my relationships over here. Ah, now I see it. You're going to learn patience as you watch God work over generations, or over long stretches of time, and you're going to be reminded that God's timeline of what He wants to accomplish in your life is not the same as your timeline. We're often thinking through hours and days, and God is taking months and years. But that won't discourage you. You'll actually see why out of these stories, and you're going to be comforted because you're going to encounter again and again the truth that life is layered and it's complex, and it's often incredibly unpredictable. And you're not the first person, and you're not the first person of faith to deal with catastrophe, real loss, deep betrayal from those who should have loved and cared for you. You're not the first person to deal with life and death challenges, with wondering whether life is worth living, and wondering in the midst of all of those challenges, where is God in all this? Like, if God is so good, if God is so powerful, if God is so great, if God is in my corner, why isn't there relief from these pressures and these burdens? And as you see the book of Samuel's answer to these questions, You will. it will cause you to develop hope. Not just wishful thinking, not just, oh, I've learned to think more positively. You will have a new ground of hope that God is good and God is at work, and you'll see it in their lives, and then that will begin to reverberate in your own, and you will develop eyes of faith to say, I'm moving confidently into my life in the hope that God is powerfully at work in my life, even, and maybe especially when I can't sense it or see it. The book of Samuel will teach you how to walk with confidence with God. Does that sound good? Yeah? Sounds good to me. When I was preparing this message in this series, I was like, oh man, this is, I need this, if you know, maybe more so than anybody here. And I realized, yeah, like, I think for a lot of my Christian journey, I saw these Old Testament books as sort of like optional. Like if you're a Bible keener or whatever, like you can dip into them, but I don't know. They're long and old and I don't get some of the town names and I just get lost. But man, if we do the work, if we're patient and go into these books, we realize that they're foundational to understanding who God is. They're foundational to understanding who we are and they're foundational to understand what does it mean to live skillfully in this world, to live skillfully in this broken world with God at our side. And then perhaps most importantly, the book of Samuel gives us a unique window into the question, what makes Jesus so important? Every Old Testament book does that to some extent, but you really, that comes to a clarifying point in Samuel. Samuel is a story of Israel's desire and longing for a king. And that ancient desire has intersects with all kinds of modern expressions and modern realities that bear witness to the fact that we all still want a king. We're all longing for a ruler to guide and direct us, to reign over us. And so the questions that come up even early on in Samuel. Do we want a king? Do we need a king? Who qualifies for kingship? By what authority would they qualify? Who could you possibly trust to rule and reign over you that wouldn't eventually succumb to the abuses of power and privilege? Who could you trust with that kind of power? Can anyone stand under the pressure that the crown places on a life is anybody worthy to be king in a powerful and unforgettable way first Samuel will lead us to that answer and that answer is a person that yes one is worthy his name is Jesus he is the Lord and he is also the king heavy is the head that wears the crown. Indeed, in a way that very few books can, 1 Samuel will help us to see the glory and mystery of Jesus, his movement towards kingship and coronation, and the promise and the power that offers to each of us. Let's pray. God, we prayed at the start of this message with hands open that we would receive from you what we need to receive. And as this message closes, God, we just ask that you would help us to hold in our hands and in our hearts even one truth, one one promise, one element of this message which lights a fire in our hearts to pursue you to track with this. And maybe to go into, into this series with a different level of intention instead of just allowing another series to roll over and here we are and we're just doing the church thing, that we all seek you in a deeper and more authentic way. Help us, God. Amen. Before I send you off with